following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. I came here when I was uh, 24 years old, and I'm 54 now, so that makes me, as far as in this missionary community, old as dirt. But... uh, I don't feel like I've been here that long. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't here all that time. For seven years, I had a little vacation in Laos, which made Ching Mai look even that much better when I got back. But uh, I wanted to uh, share this morning a little bit about, uh, uh, instead of just basically preaching, you hear lots of good teaching and preaching, but I wanted to share some things from my own experience here. I thought that may be a way that I could could help here. I could add value or I could bring some awareness and stuff like that. Uh, you know, this community has changed drastically. When I came here in 1977, this was kind of considered an out, uh, what would you call it, a missionary outpost. Kind of, uh, there was a handful of missionaries. Basically, we all knew each other and things like that. And then uh, God chose, I believe God chose to bring a flood of people in. Uh, there's been some uh, huge changes here. Some people see that in very negative terms, by the way. Uh, I went to, uh, I was in a missions meeting in South America, and I was introduced as coming from Chiang Mai, Thailand, and a guy came up to me later and he says, oh, I know that place, that's where if you throw a rock, it hits two missionaries before it hits the ground. So they consider this a missionary ghetto, some people do, because we're all stacked up here on top of each other. That's the perception a lot of people have. But I don't feel that way. You know, I like it because everybody came and that made them open hamburger places and pizza places and all that. <laughs> no, I really believe that God is choosing to change this nation through the north of Thailand. There have been some prophetic words, some visions and things of a giant funnel that God is funneling from the north and God will funnel through the north. I believe that you're all here for a reason. I believe that we are an army of foreigners here to do many little various things to bring a base to launch the kingdom of God in this country. And I'm going to tell you some things about some demonic things and stuff this morning, not to uh, ooh and awe you, but just to let you know that I believe this base is important and significant in seeing the kingdom of God come to this country. Last week, Dan Ecker was sharing beautifully just scripture after scripture and I was just meditating on that but what caught me when Dan started on a little theme about putting your hand to the plow and not looking back and being patient and long suffering and things like that and I was just thinking about sitting there kind of thinking about some of the issues I'm dealing with right now and you know uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me Walter get over it and I think that God would gently and kindly say to a lot of us about small trials and tribulations, get over it. And so I want to tell you a few stories this morning uh, from my own experience that I believe will uh, bless you and help you. I have this funny thing, I can't wear bifocals, so I'm switching these glasses all the time. Rick and Kathy are now involved with us in a village called Wing Hangar. I say should say we're involved with them. But uh, many years ago, the Lord led us to uh, plant a church in a wing hang. It's in Ampha Chiang Dao, north of here. 
and it's 17 kilometers from the Burma border. And a friend of mine, Alan Bimo, invited us to go there. And uh, the first time in, uh, Alan stopped on a mountain, and we saw this beautiful, idyllic little village. I mean, it was just in this bowl uh, with some clouds over it and, and just gorgeous rice paddies and, and things all around. But then Alan gets out of the car, and Alan's a veteran of uh, I would call the missionary wars. He was uh, speaks Chinese and was in Taiwan and and was working on the border with the Chinese at that time. And Alan gets out of the car and he says, "Now there it is." He says, "I've gone through this place hundreds of times, and I've asked dozens of people if they know about Jesus or they know about Christianity, and everybody says, I don't know." And he says, "This is the place." This is the place I'm challenging you and another uh, young missionary to go. And uh, I was like, yeah, 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 we're going to tear this place up. But Alan gets over to the edge of the field and says, come here. And he raises his hands and he starts his prayer. He says, God, this place is held by the demonic powers from many thousands of years. And he starts praying and he starts doing this spiritual warfare which was not new to me, but the intensity of that and the, the way that he approached the whole thing was, okay, we're not going to go in there and do VBS and, you know, hope somebody shows up and do some little programs. He was, no, we're going to go in there and we're going to fight for this place. We're going to contend for it. We're going to wrench it out of the hands of the powers that be and make this little kingdom a wing hang. By the way, it was an ancient little kingdom, has a moat and everything. We're going to make it one of the kingdoms of our God. And I remember the Holy Spirit just came on me, just flooded on me. You know that thing where your hair just stands up? And I just said, oh yeah, okay. Well, we moved in there with our family, young families, two, two missionary families and a Thai co-workers. By the way, Joe Lilly sitting here. Joe was an intern uh, through that time, uh, unmarried, still had hair. Uh, but we moved in there, and I would have to say uh, we were a bit unaware of certain aspects of things there. Uh, and you know, the reason I'm telling you this story today is I believe a lot of you have come here and you're a bit unaware. You're doing great stuff. God's using you in great ways. But you know what? <laughs> this place is a serious business for God. There's a lot of stuff that goes on here. There's a lot of spiritual warfare and a lot of things that uh, we're battling against that we don't understand. We went there kind of unaware, and, but anyway, we moved in there, and it was hard. I just have to tell you that it was hard, and uh, I'm an American boy. I mean, like I said, I, I loved, grew up loving hamburgers and this and that, and here I am suddenly in this village uh, with my wife and, and children, and I don't uh, have any electricity, and I don't have any running water, and my wife's uh, carrying the clothes to the river every, every few days and washing them by hand and bringing them back. By the way, I did learn one thing from the ties. Uh, guys, you need we to pick up on this. Sit on the porch and whittle while they do all the work. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> but anyway, it was hard. And you know, it was discouraging because people were really backward. And it was a dark place. We began to figure out this little beautiful little village was a dark place. They have a spirit house. It's there to this day. It's a full-size house. It's not one of these little things. This is a full-size wooden house built by the villagers. And every year they have a big deal. I'm assuming they still do that, have a big deal where they march to the streets of Wing Hang and they, <clears throat> they proclaim and honor the Jiao Muang, the owner of the city. 
and this is kind of a more of a Shan Northern Thai thing. So the Jiao Mung is, is honored, and then they have different mediums and people that speak and do. There's kind of a lot of weird stuff that goes on. We uh, started out and just did all the normal things and stuff, and things were just so slow and was slow, so discouraging. Uh, finally, made good friends with the shaman, the witch doctor in town kind of guy. Nicest guy in town. By the way, never put down witch doctors till you meet one, you know one. <laughs> Nicest guy in town. One of the most honest guys in town. And he was an old Shan man uh, from the Taiyai, the Thais call it. And uh, he had a Lahu wife. And I would share with him about Jesus, and he would listen, and he'd say, yeah. And then uh, he would be out in the evenings making his living doing incantations and, and all sorts of things and stuff like that. And then uh, trying to help people get well and other things. And then in the morning, he'd come over to me to get paracetamols for his headache. I never did figure that out. But anyway, <laughs> so this old shaman guy and I became good friends, and his wife was a Lahu uh, tribesman. And... Uh, she came to Christ. She was hard of hearing. I remember we bought her a, like a $60 hearing aid in America, just a little box and a stuck in her ear. And we gave her that thing and a chicken crowed right beside her and the woman almost died of a heart attack. <laughs> when she heard the gospel, she became a Christian. And <laughs> to say that she really understood everything would be a big stretch. But she understood that Jesus died for her sins. And God changed her life. So this was a little odd situation with this family. The head demonology guy in town and his wife's a Christian. One morning, banging on the door at 6 o'clock was this shaman. And that wasn't unusual for him. If he wanted to talk to me about anything, he always came before sunup. Bang, bang, bang. Ajahn, Ajahn. And I'm like, oh, here he goes again. So I go down and say, what's going on? He says, you've got to come to my house. What happened? He says, the demons tried to kill my wife last night. I said, what? They tried to kill my wife. and I'm, So he's all excited and freaked out. So I get my co-worker, uh, Paul Lang, and, and we go down there. And his wife's sitting on the floor. They a wooden house on stilts. And she's sitting on the floor, and she has this blanket around her. It's cold that time of year. And she's just sitting there moaning and this and that. And I, I'm trying to talk to her. She's not responding. Uh, what's going on? He says, listen, here's what happened. He said, last night, in the middle of the night, I went downstairs to go to the bathroom, uh, go out and, you know, just my normal thing out there in the middle of the night. You know, I know that now because I'm about his age now. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> and he says, when I'm out there, I hear my wife start screaming. And he said, sound like a wildcat. He said, I've never heard her scream like that before. And he says, so I ran up the stairs, you know, just a wooden stairs to the house, not stairs, but a ladder. I ran up the stairs, and we had a little wooden bedroom, and he's telling us and showing us right here. And he says, I pushed the door open, and there was minimal light in there, and my wife was hanging by one arm, suspended in the air. Her feet were on the ground, but she was sideways like this. And he said, right then, he says, I knew it was a demon. And I said, well, what happened? You know, I'm like... I'm, my mouth's hanging open. Paul Lang grew up in the Christian church. We're from Christian church background. You know, we don't have a lot of stuff like that going on. But anyway, uh, Paul's more drooling, and I'm just my mouth like this. And he says, she's hanging in the air, and she's screaming. And uh, he's, I said, well, what'd you do? He says, I didn't know what to do at first. 
And then he said, finally, I just yelled as loud as I could. He said, you can't do that. She belongs to Jesus. And he said, let go of her, and she hit the floor. Boom. And he says, come look. And they pulled back the blanket, and her backside here was black and blue from the impact. Amazing. <laughs> it's like, okay. So I said, you know what? Sit down here. I told you that Jesus was Lord over all demons. I told you. I've been telling you for a long time. Now, you need to come to Christ. You need to tear down that spirit shell, and you need to get right with God, and let's get this thing cleared up, and let's take authority over these powers that you are inviting into your home and are wreaking havoc. He says, Jesus is Lord, but I will not become a Christian. I said, why? He says, my teacher. My teacher will kill me. Keeps talking about his teacher. Now, I'm telling you that we're unawares of many things. Prakul, tankul. My teacher will kill me, literally. He said, I will die if I become a Christian. And so we're like, what teacher? My teacher from Burma, he said. I said, what teacher? You know, we're thinking school teacher, you know. I mean, I've had some bad teachers, but never teachers. <laughs> Mary Mullins used to pull me up by the ear. Well, she was a, uh, an army whack. When I, we could do that back in those days. Good for us. But uh, so we're, we're struggling to understand. And then he opens up and he says, I have a demonic, familiar spirit that comes on me that enables me to uh, have authority over lower spirits and other things. That's what I do in this village. There's a hierarchy in this thing. And he said, but this spirit was handed down through my family lineage. And I received it as a young man and I didn't want it, but I cannot let it go. If I let it go, I'm afraid that it will literally physically kill me and it's powerful. The man never did come to Christ. Never did come to Christ, to my knowledge. We had a lot of other interesting things happen there. Uh, started going, whoa, this is just a little bit out of our league. And we began to understand the grind that you would call Mung Thai, Thailand. There's a grind here, you guys. You don't just go here. You're like, I told you I went to South America. I'm sitting there with all these missionaries. And, I mean, I just felt like a worm, you know what I mean? All the conversions and all the cool stuff and all that that's going on, you know? At this place, we're grinding against thousands of years of false worldview, untruth. We're grinding against demonic domination of an entire culture. We're, we're grinding and fighting against the very gates of hell. We don't have any Judeo-Christian roots, background, or anything to pull from to even when you say God. You say God to a Thai person, don't assume they're thinking what you're thinking. Right? There's a lot of things that are God's here. Anyway, we began to uh, sort of get the picture here and uh, realize that we were literally doing what Alan said. We were trying to storm the gates of hell. But we were a little bit unaware and unequipped. Uh, now, I don't believe, uh, I really, I really, uh, from my, I still work a lot in rural areas. My uh, personal view is I've seen a lot less of this overt 
demonology or de demonic manifestations. But yet, I think it's just been a change of tactics. And I think we need to realize there's a reason in this country that it's less than 1% Christian. There's a reason that things that ought to be easy are hard. There's a lot of reasons for all this. I'd like to share another thing uh, that happened. We, uh, we had a young girl one day, the village uh, people just were just, I've never seen so much activity. They went crazy and they were running up and down our little street there. And uh, I uh, walked out and said, what's going on? And they said, somebody's hung themselves. By the way, there was a lot of suicides by hanging in that village. I believe that was a spirit too. So I ran with all these villagers down out of the village, down to a little road. And there was a young girl with her feet suspended off the ground about that far, tied with a rope. And she'd been, uh, had an argument with her mother, apparently, and took this cow out to leave it to graze and, and hung herself. And I, I didn't know how long she'd been there. So I started to grab her and say, let's get her down and try to resuscitate her. Well, right then, I stepped into a beehive. There were already two groups of people. The parents and the family who were broken and wanting to get her down and, and, and you know, uh, take her back and, and do a, a ceremony. And then there was the group of people who were fearful and angry. This, this is something we can't mess with. This is, this is a demon's work. By the way, in Thailand, if someone dies violently, or uh, what else? I guess just violently or, or very bad situation, they call that Tai Hong Tai Hia. And that is a very uh, bad thing. Now, that, the Thai belief system is that when someone dies like that, which would fit this case, is that person's spirit becomes a demon. By the way, I don't know what your theology is on that, but I don't think that's biblical theology. But that person's spirit, because it's not at rest, becomes a, uh, an evil spirit. By the way, in the tsunami, uh, I was with a man one day and uh, having lunch, and I'd known this guy for months, and he finally says, I can't sleep, I can't eat, and I'm sick all the time. He says, I lost 23 relatives, and we only found four bodies. And he says, I can't sleep because I'm afraid that their spirits are going to come and do harm to me. And no amount of logic would bring him to the point where he didn't believe that. I said, well, were you at odds with these people before they died? No, 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 no. That, that's just a belief system here. Anyway, this thing ensued kind of a big argument, and I saw real quick as an outsider, I needed to back out and get out of the way and not get my two cents. Anyway, the people who were afraid wanted to cut down uh, bushes right there and cremate the body right there and try to keep this thing from getting into the village. By the way, you see a lot of these things over village entrances and stuff. That's things to stop, so-called so stop demons. So <clears throat> they wanted to uh, cremate this girl right there, be done with it, and do the best they could. But then the, they had a big fight with the family. And the family finally prevailed, but they came to kind of a uh, middle-of-the-ground solution. They wouldn't take the body into the temple. They wouldn't let them take the body into the house. But they put the body outside the temple wall, which was as the crow flies about 150 meters from my front door. I had a couple of rows of houses in between. That day, the people were so fearful that they all went to the temple and they took these strings and made these, uh, I don't know how to say it in English, uh, big white strings, then died about me, 
And uh, so they tied that onto the Buddha image in the temple. And then they, drew, they put this big, I call it like the main line, up and down every street and every alley. And then everybody tied a little string on around their house and then into their spirit shelf or, or, or image and, and for protection. And this, uh, uh, people were so scared. We had people who were new believers that were so freaked out they did this too. And that was really discouraging because that had been what they had done forever and they become a Christian. But this thing here, I don't know if Jesus can handle this deal or not. So anyway, uh, that evening, uh, I was sitting in our front room, which was a little tiny little house with big open doors. And uh, I was just kind of meditating. And I looked out. I saw this string. It was about 10 feet going past my house. And I said, Lord, this place is just a dark place. How is anything ever going to happen here? Anyway, as I was just sitting there thinking about that, uh, I had this very unusual experience. I'm going to tell you some stuff. You might think I'm wacko. That's okay. I don't care. I'm, after you've been here 30 years, you're a little wacko anyway. Uh, uh, but anyway, this incredible stench filled my home. And it was a stench of a dead body. And if you've lived in the rural areas of Thailand, you'll finally learn what that smells like. There's nothing like it. I was like, whoa. So I thought the wind must be blowing from over there. Right by my door, I had a huge bam, uh, banana tree. I walked into the, right out the door, two steps, and I looked at this banana tree, and I'm staring at it. There's no movement. There's no air movement. And this stench is like all over me, all over my, my house. And I thought, well, I don't think I thought. I think the Holy Spirit said, Walter, this is a demon. And so I said, in the name of Jesus, demonic spirits from hell, go. And it was gone like that. Next morning, 6 o'clock, we always had a prayer meeting with our Thai associates. And I said, I finally said one. I said, Pastor Sumke, I had this real weird thing happen last night. And I told him this story. And he goes, so what's weird about that? He says, that is a common thing in Thailand. That is a fear tactic. It's a common thing to bring the stench of death, to make people even run farther to the idols and to the demons. Mm -hmm was not an unusual thing for this Christian pastor who was, we're working with to say, so what's so unusual about that? Anyway, uh, people began to come by and say they'd seen headless bodies and everything and, and all sorts of situations. But uh, we began to do more spiritual warfare and think in those terms a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to tell you this last thing and then we're going to get to glorifying God here in a minute. Don't worry. Um, we were teaching all the time. In the evenings, we would go out and we would teach and uh, do flannel graphs. By the way, that was back in the day when you could take a flannel graph on a half a sheet of plywood and stick it on the side of the house and get 50 adults any time of the day or night. And that was great. And I told the creation story and the flood and the gospel story so many times, I got tired of doing it. And it was, it was wonderful, though. And uh, uh, we, were, we were struggling along there, but not much was happening. Once my wife and child were in the city, and I had to go back to the village. Uh, they came to Chiang Mai for some R&R &R or something. I had to go back to the village to teach one evening. So I did my teaching, and I went back to our little house, and, and uh, we had a, 
just a little bitty tiny room there. And uh, in the middle of the night, <clears throat> I woke up wide awake. And I am a real sound sleeper. So this was odd for me. I'm like, so what's up? And I turned my head to the side, and the wall was right here. The bed was against the wall. And there was a head floating, a demonic face floating right by my bed. Now, here's the unusual part about that. I had zero fear. I had no internal <laughs> freak out. But I looked at this thing, and again, like the Holy Spirit said, now, Walter, that's a demon. And in, I started immediately doing spiritual warfare, and it just went away. Now, if you think I'm crazy, there's someone else sitting in this room that lived two houses down that saw the same, same, same thing. And I won't tell you who it is because I don't want to embarrass Joel. But anyway. <laughs> Why would God do that? I think he's saying, hey, you Billy. Hey, Pilgrim. Let's wake up here. Let's realize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let's realize that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I like the Holy Ghost word. I'm not even a camp Pentecost, but you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled with the Word of God. You need to be speaking the Word of God. You need to be living in truth and living in love. If you're going to see anything happen here, you've got to be more than just plodding along here. You're going to have to contend for this. Now, you know God led Israel out of Egypt through the desert and then stood them on the banks of the Jordan and said, go get it. But God left the land full of enemies. And they had to contend for the promised land. I believe that the kingdom of God, as it says in Matthew 11:12, and I will read that to you now, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. The kingdom belongs to those who contend for it. God is looking for spiritual warriors who are willing to storm their way into God's kingdom, people who actively follow Jesus and are not just waiting for Jesus to come, but we are bringing the reign and the rule of God wherever we go. Wherever you set your foot, like Joshua, you bring the reign and the rule of God. You bring truth. You bring righteousness. You bring compassion. You bring forgiveness. You bring uh, the Word of God, you, which is the power of God unto salvation. You bring it all. You're, carrying, you're walking with the whole armor of God, and you're bringing the kingdom of God the reign of God over every situation. Now, that doesn't make any difference. I thought about the audience this morning. Now, I'm not just talking to you so-called traditional missionaries. I'm talking to you teachers. I'm talking to business people. I'm talking to you whatever you do. Translators, God bless you. All sorts of people here. We are here in this country, and it is a great honor and a great privilege to be here. Thank God I'm not in Chile where they got all those big stories. God has parachuted us all here as special agents in the middle of the biggest, one of the biggest spiritual messes that's going on. Yeah. 
Now this is a deceptive place because it all looks so good and Thailand is a wonderful country filled with wonderful people who have wonderful attributes that we should all admire and even learn some of those. I mean, how many people can have a motorcycle wreck and smile, right? <laughs> right? Right? But it is a privilege to be called here. I don't care if you're a housewife here, just taking your, care of your kids while they're going to school. Man, we are here. You are to be in prayer. You are to be taking this place to the kingdom in whatever large or small way that God gave you. You're part of an elite group that God has called here, whether that's short-term or long-term. And God has a purpose. And God has a reason for all this because God wants to liberate these wonderful Thai people. Thai people are wonderful. They are wonderful people. You know, this is kind of a little hobby horse of mine, but well, we all moan about Thai drivers. We all moan about this and all that. But you know what? God loves the Thai people. God loves the Thai people. And when God gets hold of a Thai person, you will find beautiful people. You will find incredible uh, gentleness. You will find uh, incredible uh, virtue. You will find that they understand the King of kings and Lord of lords. They understand God as King and Lord in worship. Where we understand God as Abba, Father, more in an informal way, the Thais understand God in His majesty and His awe. Now, my time here. I want to just tell you a few positives that happened there. I want to start with a, a guy who was an opium addict that lived on the mountain. And this opium addict used to come and see me. My wife says, I attract all the weirdos. <laughs> I do. And this guy... Filthy, jaundice, stink. And he'd come down the mountain once a week or so and he'd come and he'd sit. I'd give him some tea and I'd talk to him. And he'd ask me about God. And I'd just tell him. But you know what? This guy was on the top of my list of no hopers. No way. I am wasting my time. But somehow he'd come back. He'd come back. He'd come back. I didn't see him for a long time. Someone said, oh yeah, he left his wife, got busted for opium, he's in prison in Chiang Mai. Well, I'm not surprised. Lost track of him. I went to Laos. Someone told me in Laos, he said, hey, you know that guy? He's in Bible school in Chonburi, down on the coast. I said, no, not that guy. You got the wrong guy. And so I said, this guy, this guy. No, it's that guy. I finally came back from Laos a few years later, and I was fixing up my house over here in Wang Sing Kam. The place was a mess. We rented a kind of a rundown place, fixer upper. I get this phone call on my mobile phone, and this guy says, John, this is Song Chai. I said, Where are you? He says, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. I, I said, Well, here's where I am. He says, I'll be there in a minute. And I could tell that he was in a vehicle. This guy pulls in my driveway in a new four-wheel drive truck. 
he gets out and he has a wife and three little beautiful children. And he gets out and he comes across that driveway and he grabs me. He says, you are my father. You are my father. I was dumbfounded. God works that way. And he sat down and he told me his journey. And he told me that he, by the way, some of you may know some Chai. He's uh, probably the biggest mover and shaker in the refugee camps down in Massot now. He's a Korean. Anyway, he's a pretty over-the-top Pentecostal kind of guy. But he has literally influenced thousands of people for the kingdom of God. He has invited Joel and I, and we've actually gone and taught things for him. He has just gone far beyond anything that I've ever done. So God fetched him out of that situation in that village. I got a call from a guy one time, former co-worker up there, and he said, uh, hey, do you remember a kid in Wing Hang? His name was Falk. Well, how can you forget a kid's name Falk? You know what I mean? I said, yeah, he's a good-looking kid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, I know a Thai pastor who works in a uh, prison in Bangkok, and he met Falk in prison. I said, oh, that's too bad. He said, no, 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 no. Pastor Soon Thon said that he was preaching in Bangkok maximum security prison to all the druggies, the guys with like 30-year sentences and stuff, the guys who were on death row and stuff. And he says he didn't even get finished, and this one kid in the back saying, I want Jesus, I want Jesus. And finally he stops and he goes, why do you want to do this for? What do you want to become a Christian? Yeah. And the kid said, yes, yes, yes. Why? He says, you know, when I was a little boy, and he told how he sat and watched those flannelgraphs. And he says, I got messed up with drugs. And I told the, the missionaries back then that I believed in God, but I really didn't. And he says, I got 33 years to sit here. And he says, I want you to baptize me today. They baptized him in a 55-gallon uh, oil drum right in the prison that day. But God is working. God's power is able to bring people out of any kind of circumstances into the kingdom of light. I want to kind of finish here this morning with just saying a little bit about old missionaries or older another generation of missionaries, let's say, versus this generation. Now, you can make some negative uh, comparisons both ways, but that is not my, my desire. I just want to bring a little balance in this because, you know, I've heard some old missionaries really beat up on the new missionaries, and I've heard some new missionaries really beat up on the other generation. You know, they're not with it. You know, they can't even do email or whatever, you know. <laughs> you know. But I would just like to tell you about two good missionary friends of mine and their attitude about bringing the kingdom. One was Robert Morris. And this other family that worked with us in Wing Hang worked faithfully in Thailand for seven years. I called them Cinderella missionaries. Both good looking, both smart, uh, learned the language easy, loved to be with people. And I don't qualify in most of those areas. but. You know, after seven years, the fellow goes to Robert Morris, who was like an elder for us, 
and says, Robert, this was a gathering of a small group of missionaries, and he, this young missionary called this meeting to tell these guys how he felt and asked for their advice. So he tells these guys, I got off the plane in Bangkok in so-and-so year, and he said, I didn't like it the first step off the airplane. I didn't like the heat. I didn't like the place. I don't like the language. I never have liked it here, and I've had enough. I don't like it here. There was all this discussion, you know, about being called and this and that. Robert Morris just sits there, and finally he says, now, Paul, and with real confusion, Robert says, I don't understand. You said you don't like it here. He says, Paul, can you explain to me what does that have to do with it? Right. Do you hear that? What does that have to do with it? That you don't like it? Maybe Robert didn't like it when he was in prison in Burma. Maybe Robert didn't like it when his wife got very berry and her teeth fell out in Burma. Maybe Robert didn't. But to Robert, that's the old, I call the old gritty dude. What's that got to do with it? You don't like it? He didn't understand. Isabel Didamore. I told you, Alan Bemo uh, challenged me to go to Wing Hang. His mother-in-law, great missionary woman. I met her in Chiang Mai uh, after she was retired. She never really retired. Spoke five languages, spent 40 years in Asia. Ran into her back in America when I was going back for some additional training. And she said, I want you to come over to our house for dinner and I want to pray for you before your family goes back to Thailand. So my wife and I went over there, and, and uh, she said, now, okay, we're done having a nice meal. And she said, uh, what do you want me to pray? I said, well, I want you to pray that we just be filled with the Spirit of God. I want you to pray that we go back and just take that place by force. I just want to pray that you go back. We just see great things for God, and we see blah, 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 blah. And she listens, and she says, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And finally she looks at my wife, and she says, um, sorry, Walter, I won't do that. She said, but i tell you what I will do. And she put her hands on us and she said, I will pray that you never, ever give up. Now, I'm standing here today, I know, because of those words. I've quit a thousand times in my mind. I quit every other week here. <laughs> That's a bit different, bit of a different mentality. I wanted to bring some balance in when we're talking about, oh, we got cultural adjustments in Chiang Mai. Uh, it's hard to get good ground beef. <laughs> Thai drivers. And a lot of these things are real. A lot of these things are, there's real problems. It's, it's not easy to live here. By the way, I'm supporting that because, yes, it is a wonderful place physically, but listen, there is that demonic element. There is that element of a grind. There is opposition. And if you're here long enough, you will get discouraged, and you will have problems, and you will come out with some battle scars. Thank God we do have counselors. We do have help. We do have maybe more sense. And I wanted to bring that balance where the old-timers sometimes ran their very families into the ground, and, and I'm telling you, I can, I can name a bunch of them because I know a bunch of them. But we've kind of gotten mushed out on the other end. I'm not happy or whatever. You know what? We need a balance in there. We need to say, 
What's that got to do with it? We need to start walking and living in faith. Faith, not by sight, not by your circumstances, not by your situation, not even how you feel. I'm not denying feelings, but saying, hey, if God called me here, I'm here for six weeks, six years, or 40 years, I'm going to be full of joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to be a good and faithful servant. And you know what? The word that the Lord spoke to me was, and I'm saying this with all humility, some of this stuff, we're starting a new school year here, maybe kind of a new beginning. Let's just get over it. Let's just move on. Let's just get a perspective on things. I want to close just by reading the word. I want you just to close your eyes. I'm just going to read about three or four scriptures. Just close your eyes. John 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Romans 8, 16 through 18. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. Can you sense that this morning? We are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. For I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Philippians 1, 27-30. Whatever happens, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and I see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know that you will stand firm in one one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted on your behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggles you saw I had and now hear that I still have. You will overcome. You're going to have trouble. You will overcome. Hang in there. If we share in God as co-heirs, we will have suffering, but we will share in His glory. There's going to be a cosmic party someday. There's going to be a cosmic party, and it's going to be the biggest blow blowout you ever saw. And there's going to be myriads of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and many of those people are going to be people that you influenced, and you influenced, and you influenced, and you're going to have lots of somchais. I'm going to give a little prophetic word to you. May you have many somchais coming and calling you father and mother. Philippians says, without being frightened by any way in those who oppose you, no man, no demon of hell, no political system will stop the march of the kingdom of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. 
For more information, please view our website at www.ccsph.org.